0: Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from PreParented, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. And we are the birth nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant first-time parent or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room. Hi, everybody. This is Liz,
1: and welcome to another edition of The Birth Nurses. Um, As you know, Shana and I have been doing some podcasts having to do with birth plan. We're trying to really change that information a little bit to help people make more of a generalized birth wish or birth preference. So we've been interviewing some people to try to get their experiences, what went right, what went sideways, how they feel about it. And today we are interviewing Tala and Andrew who just had a baby about three weeks ago. Hi, you guys. How are you doing?
2: We are great. Hi.
1: Hi. That baby's awfully cute. Of course, our audience can't see, but I can see everything. (laughs) So, Tala, tell me. Tell me a little bit about birth class.
3: So, we were recommended to take um, your birth class by our amazing OB, um, Dr. Caroline Collin. I think what we were really excited about was that you are a nurse in labor and delivery at the hospital we were delivering at and we were super excited to to take a class with someone who knows the labor and delivery process really well and so we we went into it and I think um, we really just enjoyed specifically understanding exactly what to expect even seeing some of the tools they would use like the internal fetal monitor
2: or just in case.
3: yeah just in case <laughs> right <laughs> vacuum or anything like that, that we were kind of scared of. Um, Yeah. So, so that was kind of why we took the class and and we had a really great time and it just prepared us for, for the whole process. Our, our birth ended up being a little bit different than we expected.
1: Oh, Let's Um, get into that. Yeah.
3: yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but it was, it was, yeah, it was super helpful and just calmed us down and gave us the confidence. I think that we needed, especially Andrew too, going into the birth.
1: Outstanding. I'm so glad to hear that. First of all, of course, that it was helpful. <laughs> so let's talk about birth plan or your birth preferences. So what were some of the things that you thought you really wanted to do?
3: So I had the benefit of having my sister have a baby before me and she, she had her baby maybe like nine months before. Actually, I found out I was pregnant the day she had her baby. So nine months before. (laughs) Yeah, big day for my family. And she had a scheduled C-section because she had a complication that ended up being kind of different than they expected it to be. And so I think Andrew and I learned from that experience that even if you have a very set prescriptive plan, things can go awry. So We didn't have a very kind of explicit or rigid birth plan. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of last as long as I could without an epidural. A lot of the reason was just because of what I learned in class about having to be hooked up and not being able to walk around and things like that. Um, Not that I'm against epidurals. Or I think I I was really hoping for a a vaginal delivery instead of a C-section just because I wanted to minimize time in the hospital with COVID and things like that. So those were the main things, but we didn't have a very strict birth plan.
1: So what happened towards the end of your pregnancy that got you to the hospital?
3: Yeah. So I was really concerned, as I mentioned, I I really did want a vaginal delivery and I'm a very small person and our baby in the ultrasound was measuring like on the bigger side. And so I hit my 40 week mark and she was measuring on the ultrasound around eight pounds. Mm -hmm. And so at that point it was kind of a situation where I wasn't dilated at all that day, which was my, my due date or the day before my due date. And she was already measuring eight pounds. So we kind of had discussions about it. And my OB was very open to any kind of plan or path that I wanted to go down. She was totally cool with me waiting, totally cool with me kind of, considering induction. And so because I was so not ripe, I guess. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, you remembered from class. Good for you.
3: Yeah. So like, because I, you know, I hadn't dilated or anything and she was already measuring big, we kind of decided that I would probably have to get induced anyway over the next week Mm -hmm. um, to get the baby out before 41 weeks so we were kind of like, okay, let's, you know, let's consider maybe doing it sooner rather than later so that she doesn't end up being too big. My baby doesn't end up being too big for me to deliver. And so that day, uh, <laughs> my doctor called to the hospital to see, you know, when they had any slots open. And they actually had 9 p.m. that night. Andrew and I kind of went back and forth for a few hours, actually, up until probably 7.30 p.m. or something, um, and I was texting you, Liz, about it, I remember. And we had these
1: conversations a lot.
3: Yeah, yeah, and we finally uh, decided to do it, and so we went in that night at nine, um, which ultimately ended up being being like a, a save, like a life-saving decision, because if I had gone into natural labor, who knows what would have happened, but- Well, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: When sure. you went in and you knew that you did not have um, a good, what we call favorable cervix, you were explained that you were going to take some oral medication.
3: Yeah. So what happened was I went in and you correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but my understanding is that Pitocin is an induction medication that um, augments contractions. But before you get Pitocin for an induction you're supposed to take, or you can take Cytotec, which is um, supposed to, I guess, ripen your cervix or kind of ready your cervix for the contractions, right?
1: Right. And we can use Pitocin to start contractions that have never begun if you have favorability. But in your case, you did not. Right. Exactly. right? Your cervix was thick and it was closed. So were you expecting to have a longer time of it?
3: Yeah. So what we were told by all the nurses and by um, our doctor was that an induction at this stage would kind of be like a two to three day thing.
1: Could Um, be. Yes, absolutely.
3: So we went in Friday night. We were more so expecting our baby to be born Sunday at some point. And so I took the Cytotec, which is just an oral pill that um, they give you, and I believe it's used for other things besides induction, right, Liz? It's like it is
1: absolutely, but in this case, this was used. This was the choice your physician yeah. wanted to use to induce you. And what time did you take your first um, dose of uh, Cytotec?
3: So I took my first dose around midnight, and I was told that you can take them. You can take a pill every four hours for up to six. Doses. Um, cycles right, right. Six, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that's why you could consider like it could take 24 hours to even start to work on your like to even work on your cervix right
1: absolutely so during this point andrew were you just kind of settling in for the evening figuring <laughs> you'd go to sleep watch tv i mean what were you doing
2: uh yeah i that's 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 exactly what i was doing i mean you know, philosophically, I think we had we had spent a lot of time sort of reading, taking classes, trying to understand the process as much as we could in advance. And I even made a folder for myself. Oh, mm, uh, good idea. Love uh, that. Pages and and images and things that I needed to that I needed to be responsible for mm-hmm. throughout the entire process. and. I know there's a lot of stories of dads uh, forgetting things on the way to the hospital, but that was actually, uh, ironically for me, the one thing I forgot (laughs) was all of the information I had prepared so that I didn't have the memory. And so I was a little stressed about (laughs) that, Uh, but obviously in the the situation that we were in, there was no uh, leaving the hospital uh, for me, Um, so. Right, yeah. It was a little bit before, I felt like I was a little bit before sort of the, like the day before a final exam where I was trying to recall all the things that I'd been through and learned. A lot of pressure. in my notes. <laughs> well, there funny. was a little bit of anxiety, but, but we were trying to do uh, what we could uh, to relax with the understanding that this was going to be a couple of day. Yeah. we were. We go.
3: Yeah. We were told basically like I would take my first dose and we should get a good night's sleep. Because the following day we would be in, you know, labor all day.
1: <laughs> generally, generally, yeah. with a person that has an unfavorable cervix, we'll call it. It's a it, it could take a while. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit where you, Tala, had an unusual experience. And what time did you think you were starting to feel contractions? And in- yeah, so what I what I had, I guess, is the medical
3: term is precipitous labor. So anyone can go look up this wild phenomenon. But basically I was given a dose at around midnight and I was supposed to let the nurse um, know if I was feeling any contractions and if I wasn't or, or or anything, I guess. And then if I wasn't, that she would come in in about four hours to give me another dose. So throughout the night, I actually didn't feel anything. I was pretty I, comfortable. I, yeah, comfortable. Um, a couple of times, funny enough, the nurse came in. Now looking back, I realize what this is. But the nurse came in and said, "You know, you're you're showing contractions on the monitor. You really don't feel anything." And I was like, "No."
1: So you understand that we can pick up lots of contractions, but that contractions don't necessarily mean labor. People right. contract all throughout their pregnancy. We call those Braxton Hicks. And those yeah. were probably the warm up contractions, having to do specifically with sort of the Cytotec, because they started coming on. But you weren't in in severe pain at all.
3: No, not at all. So then, around maybe five a.m., I had a couple of a couple of pains here and there, and I told the nurse, and I got my second dose of Cytotec, mm-hmm. and then very shortly after that, I started having. Pretty intense contractions mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't really breathe through. And interestingly enough, like if you looked at the monitor, the contractions didn't end; they would just kind of start and then last for a really, really long time. So you Almost- had
1: you had what we call tetanic contractions that yeah. that medication threw you into labor, and they were lasting a long time.
3: Yeah. It it was pretty intense.
1: Um, Were but, you thinking of having an epidural at that point?
3: So what happened was maybe around like six forty five. I I had told my my nurse like this is so intense. I I don't think I can handle it. And I was obviously not saying it in such a coherent way. But I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but everyone was under the impression that this was the beginning of a of a marathon and that I was in very early stage labor. So everyone was kind of like, okay, if you can't handle this now, you should definitely get an epidural now because actually the, the anesthesiologist could only do an epidural at around 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. or 11 a.m. because of a couple surgeries on the schedule. So I well, had to kind of make the decision right away. <laughs> but you
1: know also that if patients need Anesthesia. We can call for help in other parts yeah. of the hospital. Anesthesiologists can show up. But you, it sounds to me like you were in, in on the pain scale. Let's say a scale of one to ten at six forty-five in the morning. What would you have described your pain as? I
3: think yeah. it was like, and I think it was like a nine. It, it was pretty intense. Andrew, um,
1: what were you thinking while she was all of a sudden having had a very mild evening? <laughs> the difference in her demeanor and what it was looking like.
2: So my, my aforementioned playbook had had (laughs) none of this in it. And so I was trying to be as helpful as I possibly could be, Mm -hmm. not really knowing what, what that actually meant. And certainly, certainly we had plenty of, of exceptional help throughout this entire thing. I'm sure. But I think that, you know, for me, trying to, you know, trying to guide her on whether or not she should try to move or try to get up out of the bed or, or being able to help her up out of the bed. Like those were things that I was sort of uncertain of given the, the magnitude of the pain she was in. And then obviously trying to help her make a decision again, you know, trying to, to weigh the options. And, and this was something that if we hadn't taken a class would have had no idea the decision tree effectively and how it it is is a
1: decision tree isn't it yeah and
2: so we're trying to weigh like okay if you know if this is going to be another 48 hours or something like 36 48 hours of labor like you know and you know is an epidural the right approach could i try something to try to alleviate some of the pain or pressure that she was feeling so my head was just you know when
1: someone goes oh. into labor from a almost non-laboring state we might be thinking wow you know this came on from zero to a hundred right just yeah. this person is thrown into labor did you get up and go to the bathroom did you pee trying Me? to empty your bladder yeah
3: <laughs> well what happened was um <laughs> uh, yeah i did uh I I would try to get up, but again, I didn't. So one of the issues I was having, it wasn't so much the pain that was bothering me, but rather that I had no break between the contractions. Yeah. So I just couldn't keep up. And so at maybe seven o'clock, I had ordered the epidural because I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make this happen. Uh And I did, I had gone to the bathroom a couple times, like before that. But then I was trying to relax. And then around 725, I had a really, really strong contraction. And I was trying to get out of bed to go to the bathroom because I had a lot of pressure. And so I thought that it meant... I thought that that sensation was actually that I had to use the restroom. And so I was trying to get out of bed and my water broke on the bed uh, in the middle of the contraction. So there were there was no one in the room but me and andrew and i was kind of screaming mm-hmm. being like i i i can't walk to the bathroom but i have to go like mm-hmm. someone needs to help me so the the nurses were actually um, doing their transition at that time,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and so I remember. Did you call them in? How did that happen?
2: Yeah, yeah. I yelled for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes,
1: I like that. uh, you know, it's no, you I, I was I was trying to a lot of that
2: of policy too, understanding that you know I couldn't really go out and wander around the halls or anything <laughs> like that. So I just yelled. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So let's get to nurses are in the room and looking at you.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. So at that point, like I was, I was pretty a little hysterical because it, it was so intense. And again, everyone thought I was in early stage labor. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said to her, I was like, I, this baby's coming out. Like I, I could feel it. Yeah. And she said, okay, well, you know, we need to get you back in bed because at that point i was like coming out of the bathroom and so they got me on the bed and the nurses did a cervical exam which i think they weren't planning on doing until later because yeah. you know you you i don't think you get a cervical exam super often and so she
1: we try to avoid well. too many exams also in that you were unusual because you were in pretty much no pain all night long and then in a lot of pain and you felt rectal pressure so that would that would warrant an exam i would think <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so, I would. Yeah. And so
3: it was funny because I think they were trying to humor me and, and kind of, um uh, mm-hmm. it was, I think it was hard to believe that I could be getting that type of pressure that quickly because I, again, I never received Pitocin.
1: Yeah. You can go into labor from just side attack. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we never get to Pitocin.
3: Yeah. So she, uh, she examined my cervix and I remember this moment really well. She she said to the other nurse, she was like, "Oh my god!" Because there were two at that point, because they were doing a gym mm-hmm. change, and so
2: and it required two to get you back to the bathroom.
3: That's right. yeah, it really <laughs> sometimes
2: it off. requires uh, the whole team.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, um, and so she said, "Oh my god, she's complete. This this baby's coming out." And so at that point, I think they were like, "Oh my god, this is this is happening." And so obviously, my doctor. I don't know if she had been called by then or I think they were letting her know what was going on, but it was seven. I mean, it was seven 30 in the morning. Um, at this point, maybe seven 35. So it was happening quickly. So then they, they kind of like frantically prepared the room. I mean, at this point I was so consumed by the pain that Andrew, you probably remember better, but they prepped the room and she was like, okay, we're going to start pushing. And yeah. so, um, this was probably at like seven forty, and they called my doctor to come And so I guess she was on her way. And then I was pushing and these nurses were so our our prior nurse from the night stayed throughout my birth, which was so kind. She stayed
1: over. It's so hard Um, to let go at change of shift when you're gonna miss a delivery. (laughs) If you were one centimeter, it's easier to let go than if you're about to deliver. Yeah. Wait a minute.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So that was so nice. So they were there and they were helping me push and Um, There was no one else in the room at this point because I think Mm -hmm. it takes a few minutes to get the whole team in. So I think you said that there was a charge nurse like yelling for different people to come in.
1: I think usually what people don't know about this is that we want to get the nursery nurse in there and the laborist in there and an extra nurse, an extra pair of hands. The nurses are perfectly capable of doing your delivery, but we have a laborist there who's there 24-7 just in case someone has a precipitous birth. It happens yeah. all the time. That's nature. The universe has spoken. I can't do anything about it. Doctors <laughs> don't like to miss their deliveries, but we had an unusual sort of what I call Mr. Toad's wild ride in labor. Yeah. So, so who did deliver yours, the laborist or the yeah. nurse?
3: So the laborist showed... So the nurse was helping me push and the baby's heart rate was dropping, um, bet, I guess, during contractions or so between contractions, the nurses were flipping me side to side to get yeah. her heart rate back up.
1: Yeah. And um, those decelerations are not unusual in the pushing phase. It yeah. feels scary and it sounds scary, but this is perfectly normal um, and often expected when, especially when you're having a precipitous labor in birth, but it's, it's not uncommon.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So this is maybe around 740. And so I was pushing and then the laborist arrived probably like five minutes later. And he was just this wonderful doctor who was super calming and really helped kind of get me through it. And then honestly, 10 minutes later the baby was out, which was so crazy. The whole thing was really just an hour. So from start to finish, which, you know, there were a couple scary moments. There was a moment when the laborist was with us and her heart had dropped too low for too long. And he Mm -hmm. said, okay, you know, we'll give you one more push or we're rushing you to the to the OR to do a C section. Mm -hmm. But what he did say was, you know, in this last push I'm going to use the vacuum. And Mm I I mentioned this only because if I hadn't taken your class, I would have thought that it's an actual vacuum and I would have freaked out <laughs> and said, no, I'm not going to do that. But from your class, I know that it's actually like this super tiny little pump device that's very gentle
1: and- That uh, is used within the standard of care. Yes. Maybe it was low enough and safe enough to safely use a vacuum.
3: Yeah. And so we did it and she came out and it was like- I don't know, it was just very fast and, um, and it was great. It, it, you know, it ended up being an amazing birth and Andrew was very
1: involved. <laughs> so Andrew, how involved? What was your plan of the, your involvement? What were you thinking your level of involvement might be? Uh,
2: I, was, I was hoping that I wasn't going to pass out. I was, uh, I got some very sage advice to not test um my limits uh during delivery. And so my my whole plan was hopefully to be by her side uh behind her head and experience mm-hmm. as much as I possibly could. But right. Uh, right. try to you know not become a liability uh for, for the team.
1: <laughs> Stay conscious, don't be a liability. Is that a advice for what, for so so partners? Yeah. <laughs> <the staff>,
2: <laughs> Upon my arrival to the hospital, that this was that this was a problem.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> so, when the baby came out, what were you thinking? So, what was your?
2: So, I can't. I don't know if this was necessarily uh, all the preparation we did, or just a pure adrenaline. It was probably some combination of the Absolutely
1: two. Absolutely, a combination. But, of both.
2: At the point at which the cervical exam was done, uh, the nurse looked at me and said. Who who what who knew who had already told me that maybe I could sit on a bench <laughs> an hour ago? You know, if it, when she went into when the baby was coming, just to be you know just to be out of the way, and she looked at me and she goes, "Are you in a position to help me deliver this baby?" <laughs> and I looked around and I didn't fully appreciate. I knew I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't fully appreciate. Oh,
1: Tala's leg.
2: The hospital yeah.
1: would, would react right.
2: Um, so I was on her right side, holding mm-hmm. her leg for the you know, and helping her. I guess crunch.
1: Yeah,
3: this yeah.
2: breathe through mm-hmm. the contractions. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like was sort of playing her like an accordion.
3: <laughs> I didn't uh, realize that when you push, you have to bend forward. So it's actually, or at least they were telling me to to kind of like bend forward every time I push. So it was so hard to do it alone. So yeah, so that was super helpful. um, Just having him kind of push me
1: forward. So Andrew got to participate much more than he anticipated. And you got to have a baby much faster than you anticipated. And the two day plan of watching movies and reading... It
3: was funny after the birth because we had all these bags of snacks and downloaded and all these, you know, all these things to do during the day. And Andrew hadn't even, you know, we had a whole plan for that Saturday. We hadn't even told a lot of people that we even went to the hospital. We, you know, Andrew had planned this whole text thread for our families and we just didn't have a chance to let anybody know that we were in labor. So, yeah.
2: I was, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I think the one thing we were lucky for, for, for a lot of reasons and we had an incredible team throughout the whole process. I think the one thing trivially that I was felt sort of lucky about is I had, br- I had bought a camera for the occasion.
1: Fantastic!
2: I was lucky yeah. to have my phone in my pocket because what happened was when I was helping Tala through, uh, delivery, this team assembled around me and all of a sudden there were tables and wires and people. <laughs> and I was in the midst of it. And and I was very fortunate to stay uh, conscious for the whole thing. And they didn't, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't substitute me out at any point. Um, but then when it, you know, when it was all said and done and the baby was handed to Tala, like I had my phone there to take some pictures and I was oh, so fantastic. not to put my phone down anywhere because there was no moving for me for,
1: Absolutely. Sometimes I just take the phone and just say, "Give me your phone,"
2: yeah. and start yeah.
1: start snapping pictures. I mean, we you know we do what we can. Most yeah. people say, "No, I don't want pictures of this." But a yeah. good thing is you can delete. Exactly. So, baby, what we what do we have here? Um, her name is Mila. Mila. She,
3: um, yeah, and we were you know we were so grateful because there's a lot of anxiety around the COVID, you know, pandemic yeah. and everything, and so. She came out and she was like crying and healthy, and she weighed like a good weight, actually interestingly enough, she ended up weighing seven pounds mm-hmm. on the dot, not the eight pounds that the ultrasound had quoted, yeah. which is probably why maybe it was it was easy to deliver her like I, I actually had no tearing or trauma or anything
1: oh fantastic, intact yeah. beautiful exactly,
3: which was really really um, I was grateful for, and she was super healthy.
1: That also has to do with skilled deliverer. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> um, the, skilled, the skilled mommy and the, and the uh, delivering physician.
0: Yeah. And
1: was- um, you seem to be really, you know, from what I heard, rumor has it that you guys were a very good team together and that you got focused when it was necessary to get focused and forged ahead, which is an amazing thing.
3: That's really nice. It's yeah. really hard. We we were so grateful for the nursing team and the doctor, um, the laborist. You know, we had no idea what we were doing. And I, I remember when I was pushing, I like couldn't follow our nurse's instructions for right. some reason. I was kind of out of it. And I remember she kept being like, "Okay, you you know, you can't breathe out. You have to hold your breath." And I just kept doing it wrong. And I mean, they were just- Is really there crazy. a
1: wrong though? Really? Is there? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because somehow that baby got, came out of your body.
3: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, she's, she's perfect. And you know, we're super grateful. And w- w- actually I felt so good after the delivery that we were trying to go home that day on yeah. Saturday, but obviously there's, there's like a 24 hour rule where they want to monitor the baby and everything. So we yeah. ended up home.
1: have to do and the next- genre test and the hearing test and the cart heart test and there's yeah. a slew of those things, but you got to go home the next day.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And how are you feeling? Both of you, how are you feeling, Andrew? Right. Great.
2: Great. Yeah. Grateful. Relieved.
1: Yeah. yeah. You got you to remember this if you, uh, if you do this again.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually I shouldn't leave out that our, our wonderful OB actually made it maybe five five minutes after she came out, something like that. Oh yeah. Poor thing. Like I, you know, she ran out of the house at seven in the morning on <laughs> Saturday and she only missed it by five minutes, but, but anyway, we were talking to her and she said, okay, for your next birth, you know, we, we you yeah. need to get to the hospital as soon as you feel anything or maybe we need to consider inducing you early because wow. true if, yeah.
1: You have precipitous births. I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll do this again. Have a yeah. few cramps, come to the hospital, who knows? You yeah. never know. Was this anything like you envisioned?
3: Oh my God, no. Was I... it
1: anything like you planned on paper? Was it anything that your friends have told you no. was their circumstances or their experience?
3: No, I've, I've never heard of this. My mom always said like, oh yeah, I had fast labors. And she had told me a couple times like, oh, I just didn't have time to get an epidural. And I, you know, I didn't really... I didn't really appreciate Internalize that. <laughs> and ironically, that's exactly my story. I left out that when I started pushing, the anesthesiologist came in and was like, "Okay, we're ready for your epidural." And all of us kind of just stopped and looked over at her and were like, "That's not happening. That, sh-
1: that ship has <laughs> sailed."
3: <laughs> sailed. So I, yeah, so I ended up not getting an epidural, which was you know a lovely um, byproduct of this that. Was part of my kind of birth hope, not plan, but hope that I would be able to do it without an epidural, and I did only because I didn't have a choice at that. Point.
1: <laughs> so again, the the universe decided for you.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But looking back, actually, it wasn't that painful because I was so consumed, yeah, by the adrenaline and everything that was going on because I had such a short, you know, labor and delivery.
1: Yeah, great story. Andrew you did good I loved that you stayed conscious that you were helpful that you were in there now you know that this is possible you <laughs> surprised yourself as many as many people do when they tell me you know I'm not going to be able to be helpful in any way I'm like yeah we'll see about that and <laughs> I want to thank you both for coming onto our podcast and telling us your very personal story and maybe we'll uh Be talking to each other again in the future. Yes, hopefully, you will be our nurse for the next crazy ride. Oh, I would love it. I would (laughs) love it. So keep me posted, keep those pictures coming. And it was wonderful to meet you two, hear about the great story because I wasn't there that day. And thank you again so much for participating. Thank you. Thank you you so much for all the knowledge and
3: the care and everything you got us through. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) bye bye Bye.
1: and there you have it folks a completely different story something that it was unusual out of the box and
0: there goes a birth plan Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as PreParented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for
2: listening.